Chief Miller is dedicated to featuring the men and women of the fire service from around the world. Chief Miller has a family of content creators who feature great people doing great things, making the fire service a better place. Make sure to follow along as Chief Miller creates, shares, collaborates, and features the special people who call themselves firefighters. Follow along on Instagram at Chief underscore Miller. Find him on Twitter at Chief underscore Miller underscore. Like him on Facebook at Chief underscore Miller number one. And watch for all the podcasts featured within the Chief Miller media family. Make sure to check out ChiefMillerApparel.com for all your fire service apparel needs. BSWUSA.com has done it yet again, gang. Hey, it's Jason, and today I want to introduce the new sound with this Shure SM7B microphone I just got from my friend Jamie at bswusa.com. It is an industry leader. It's been around for decades. And you know what? It adds accent to what I already have with my great MXL BCD1 mics in this Rodecaster Pro. So guys, again, as I told you, I started this with a mic and an app, and here I am a year and a half later adding some awesome new sound to the show. So this is what you can do if you want to do the same. Go check out bswusa.com and talk to my friend Jamie Singer about getting into a Rodecaster Pro or one of the Zoom boards. There are plenty of options and combos out there where you can get mics and a board at a price you can afford. Again, go check out my friends at bswusa.com. The K-Man Radio Show is proudly sponsored by some great firefighter-owned businesses. And we're going to shamelessly plug them here for a second, starting with AxeCaps.com. If you're looking to get into some great firefighter-made apparel, what about custom apparel from hats to shirts? What about the Can-Man apparel line? Go check out AxeCaps.com today. And Ian Sargent from SGTFireBags.com. If you're looking to get into a clean radio strap, what about a gear bag that protects you from the carcinogens that we're exposed to on a daily basis? Well, go check out SGT Firebags today and use CanMan for 10% off. And my brother, Herb Tyler from National Rescue Consultants. That's NRC.com. If you're looking to upgrade your education in the USAR world, go check out my brother, Herb Tyler at National Rescue Consultants. That's NRC.com. Get off your ass, canners, and get ready for some extreme tabletop exercises. It's time for the Can Man Radio Show. And now your fearless leader, the senior canner himself, Jason Liska. a night of fellowship, brotherhood, chit-chat, and riff-rap, and maybe some hood-rat talk while we're at it on this wonderful episode of the K-Man Radio Show. And tonight's episode kind of rounds out, in a way, um, a series of episodes we've had with some great brothers over the past couple of weeks that you've had the pleasure of listening to from Nick and Sean and Pablo and Anthony and, of course, Basil. And then you'll hear Suat coming up here in the next few days. Uh, but not long following this is the podcast you'll hear so i'm kind of preempting it even though it's 
speaking of it in the third person, we've got a special guest this evening. He is an educator, a leader in the fire service, someone who I have grown to love over the last several years, who has been probably one of my biggest supporters and uh, loudest cheers on the cheer squad. He's got 18 years on the fire service. He is the owner of National Rescue Consultants. That's NRC and it's nationalrescueconsultants.com, not nrc.com as I've so mistakenly said on so many intros. I correct and I digress. So nationalrescueconsultants.com. He's also, not to mention, one of the three co-hosts of the train to live podcast and that includes your brothers greg rogers and our brother robert Ramirez. so welcome to the show my brother herb tyler thank you for having me buddy you know long overdue i think we were what a year ago a year ago we were having this conversation about things like how do we solve problems and we've encountered so many problems since that podcast. You know, we've managed on our own professionally and personally that we've all overcome, right? Had COVID and the pandemic and everything. It seems like it all kind of came at the right time. But, you know, when we look at where we're at now and we look at the other side, I, I think about the progress we've all made as well. And, and we're going to showcase some of the best of that progress this evening because, you know, you as an educator, you as the owner of National Rescue Consultants with the cadre of instructors you have, have been probably out there hitting it harder than any group I've seen um, in, in this country for, for that matter, as far as training goes and the reputation that follows uh, the work you put out in the education world is second to none. So I just want to pay you that compliment first and, and tell you how much I appreciate the fact that the work you do is, is making an impact out there in the field. I appreciate that very much. It's a uh, first and foremost, it's a, uh, it's not me. It's a, uh, it's all the guys that I surround myself with. And uh, <clears throat> you're only as, you're only as good as your weakest link. And sometimes I look at the cadre of instructors and I'm like, man, I might be that weakest link. Um, so you, you have to surround yourself with people that are going to, to make you better every day. And that's the one thing that myself and, uh, Greg Rogers, who him and I started this company back in 2013, that was our, that was our main mission. We wanted to give out great education and do it in an environment that was realistic and be true to ourselves and, and keep getting better not just say this is what the powerpoint says so this is what we're gonna do it no that's that's bullshit. uh let's keep pushing the envelope let's keep getting better and if you keep getting better it's only gonna make you better it's gonna make everyone around you better and the fire service as a whole is gonna get better amen and i look at the the list of classes and mind you your background is very usar-ish no ifs ands or buts i mean between everything from rope to collapse to trench to confined space to VMR. And then, of course, you've got man versus machine, which has become quite the popular class out there that I've seen posted multiple times. And then, you know, last year with the advanced rescue and survival school, the uh, training that you introduced that I got to see last year at Indian River State College, which has become a great partner of yours, amongst many others that we're going to talk about in a second. But let's talk about the impact that uh, advanced rescue and survival has brought to not just 
the the teaching cadre's capabilities of expanding on their personal experiences and rob has his own you know uh, version as well and i know that he's incorporated his teachings with you and greg brings his value as you bring your value but let's talk about what that's done just in its own right the advanced course so the advanced rescue survival course um, was something that myself greg and uh rob we came up with the idea and rob does a survival uh class that's top notch one of the best in the country and i'm not just saying that because he he works for nrc yeah and greg rogers does a a rick component that is top notch so you never get true training um throughout the country um we've all taken training and no one puts the two together. You either get a firefighter survival class, you get a rig class. Well, and, and you got to firsthand see it. It's, we combine the two. Yeah. And we combine the two with data driven and street proven techniques and data and instructors who have actually done it. And it just works. It's uh. We did it in Indian River. We did it in uh, Georgia. Uh, we're going to do it in Arkansas. It's uh, it's just a course that is going to challenge you mentally, physically. You're you're going to be tested, and you're going to leave there a better fireman than you came. Mm-hmm. I, I guarantee. I guarantee you that. And the problem is that within some of the training. Uh, aspects that, that are going on now with with different organizations different colleges putting on training a lot of the times it's not realistic and you get a couple of instructors that get together and say well screw it let's do this let, let, let's show the world at them yeah that's not really teaching you real world experience no how about we become really good at the real world. Like I don't need a fucking submarine in the middle of a field in a trench with 20 people trapped underneath it. That's not realistic. No. So let's take a step back. Let's get some realistic training. Let's start giving you that data, making you understand what your body's doing when you're going in that survival mindset different techniques to do for writ and different techniques to soften up the building while you're a writ team. Because if you're a writ team and you show up and you just stand outside the building and you're not doing anything and you're kicking and screaming because, Oh fuck, I'm not on the nozzle and I'm not inside. I'm not doing a search. This is bullshit. You're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. And my partner, Greg, has a phenomenal Rick component and uh, Rob Ramirez brings in the survival aspect of it. So the three of us, when we put this class together, we said, okay, let's get our cadre. So then we started pulling our cadre together. So Pablo from build your culture came in. Mm -hmm. Um, You just had basil on basil helped out. 
Um, we, we have a list of, of ongoing cadre members that eat, live, and sleep this stuff. Oh, absolutely. And when you do that and you give the students firsthand information, real-world experiences, and realistic scenarios, and, and that's one of the big things. You see these guys in all these different training conferences and, and training exercises doing unrealistic things that are never going to happen. Potentially dangerous things too, I think we need to add. True story. And for what? To just get a, to get a photo and put it on social media to see how many likes you get? Did the student actually come to that training to be on social media? No, he came to learn something. Yeah. So give them every possible thing you can. And when they leave, they better leave and say, you know what? That was a badass class. I learned a lot of useful information. And the key word there is useful yep. information. Yep. And a lot of times guys go, guys and girls go and take classes. They come back and they're like, yeah, it was cool, but it's not realistic. It's not useful. So that's an issue that we run into, but that advanced rescue and survival class, um, you touched on the man versus machine. It's two newer classes that we've implemented mm -hmm. and they've taken off like wildfire. And it's because of the class and it's because of the instructors that are teaching. And you think about their backgrounds, okay, in the USAR world itself. All right, Timmy Gleason, Rob Ramirez, you, Greg Rogers. And I don't know if Basil's come down to teach it or not as well. Um, but maybe even Pablo's come down. I don't know. But I know you've got those guys that are engaged and are USAR connected and have been to an experience like you real world scenarios that play a factor that could include the man versus machine component in, in the USAR world or response field. And it's amazing when they can incorporate that experience, like you talked about into those courses. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you don't want to go learn how to high rise tactics from a guy who has never fought a high rise fire before. Nope. It just wouldn't make sense. Yeah, and, and you wouldn't go to an eye doctor to get open heart surgery. <laughs> I mean, uh, depending on where you're at, you never know. I mean, there, there's a question there. Exactly. But, but, but the whole point of it is get instructors that have credibility behind their name. Absolutely. And get instructors that aren't going aren't gonna to bullshit you and tell you that they did something that they didn't do or, or vice versa. Get get qualified instructors to to give you that information and and push you to be better. That's the whole name of the game. And as instructors, you being one of them, it, if you go to a class and you teach a class and you don't take something back as a instructor, you're doing something wrong. You should be able to learn from everybody, and whether it's a tip or trick that doesn't even pertain to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But that shows that you're listening, your eyes are open, you're paying attention, you're engaged with the students. So one of the things I, I try to do, well, I don't try to do every class I teach if it's not a hot type class. I mean, even if it is, though. It, it still requires this. If you're taking a class with me, you're you're going to speak. Everyone is going to speak during the class. It's going to be an open forum. Because one of the things I've learned as an instructor is you're not the smartest guy in the room. 
Okay, you have a knowledge base and an experience base. And in some cases, there are classes that I'm not the most versed on. But guess what? I teach them. And then I try to apply that teaching to my day to day when I'm out there doing certain things. And then I try to take that experience and bring it back to the classroom. But every time I teach that class, if I'm not 100%, what does it make me? It makes me stronger teaching. It makes me better, more confident. And I'm okay with that because you got to crawl, walk, run sometimes, right? But then there's also the fact that you've got to get your students engaged. And why do we meet together? Why do we gather for education? It's not the guy at the head of the class that's always going to be the most knowledgeable person necessarily. What about the think tank that's sitting in front of that instructor that can open up that dialogue and get people to share, like you said, those tips or tricks or those opportunities to expand the knowledge base for all students in there and incorporate it in other avenues of the fire service in their profession? Uh, definitely couldn't agree more with you on that. And I feel like, uh, and, and this is just me on, on, on my soapbox, so I apologize. But I feel that the, the fire instructors and police instructors and, and, and pretty much anyone that, that is instructing in general, they get that instructor shirt, they stand in front of the room, and it's that, huh, I'm holier than fucking God mm. complex. Mm. No, you need to check yourself. Yeah. Because guess what? I promise you there's somebody in that class that's going to know when you're doing, when you're, when you're saying something that's bullshit mm -hmm. and the moment they expose you and they expose your bullshit, you've lost all credibility. So real quick, would you say then it's okay to say, Hey, I was wrong. I was under this experience and impression versus what it is. It's okay to admit when you're wrong, when you're an instructor, because sometimes you have to take that humble route as an instructor. Cause you can be wrong. Can't you? 100%. And the, the other thing that drives me crazy mm -hmm. is when you'll hear an instructor say, well, this is the only way you can do it. Nope. There's a hundred ways you can do things. So there is a ton of ways to do it. 100%. But me as an instructor, I'm going to give you what I have found mm -hmm. to be the most efficient, safest, an industry standard way of doing things right now. Sure. And if you take it back to your department and you build off of it and you find another way, well, guess what? Send it to me. Let me learn off of you as well. Mm -hmm. um, us as instructors, we aren't the end all be all. No. We're just more organized in our delivery. Organized, a little more prepared, at least we should be and able to incorporate actual life experience into True what story. we're teaching. True story. And that, that lends to the credibility of the person standing at the podium. There has to be that humility. There has to be that appreciation for the room that you're in front of. There has to be that respect for that room you're in front of, because like the last two weeks I've had peers of mine, lieutenants and senior firefighters in the room, and trust me, that can be a little nerve wracking at times because like, look, I know these are smart and talented and vetted individuals and they all bring something wonderful to the table as instructors. If you don't think that makes me want to put my A game on anytime, even though I put my A game on when I show up into the classroom, that makes me want to make my A game bigger and better because I know these are my peers. These are guys I came up with in the service and some of them went a route I didn't necessarily go. And 
took a level of education I didn't necessarily take. So I respect the hell out of them for that. And I'm not there to be better than them. I'm there to engage with them and help them as much as they are to help me. And I think that's something, like you said, that bravado or that ego, and Sean put it best uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, first off, you got to check your fucking ego at the door as an instructor because that ego doesn't belong in the, you, it's okay to be confident, but you throw ego in there and that's when mistakes and people, mistakes are made and people get hurt, if not worse. You've got to be open-minded as an instructor and be willing to adapt to your surroundings, read people, understand the strength, uh, strengths and weaknesses in those students, and definitely work on both and bring out the weaknesses to make them strengths as well. You got to almost be a, a psychologist in a way uh, and, and understand human behavior to understand how people learn. And that's important as an instructor because too many people teach one way, the only way, and this is the way it has to be, instead of understanding the room and understanding who learns this way and who learns that way and finding out a way to incorporate different dynamics of teaching. And I think that's where we fail as instructors as well. Agree 100%. And it's uh, the, the issue that I've seen just on taking classes because I, I still take classes every, every year. Mm -hmm. And to hit on when you talked about reading the room, the, the days of firemen owning businesses and doing blue collar work on their days off that's almost gone you don't see that anymore nope now the the firemen that are on now are hey you know what i want to go fish every day on my, on, my, on my two days off i want to go surfing i want to go do this i want to go do that so that mindset of hey this guy should know that or this guy should understand that or should have been taught that mm -hmm. those days are gone beyond gone you need to understand their high points and their low points yep and that starts day one and it doesn't stop day one it is a continuous process yep so you do not teach to the strongest guy in the room you have to teach to the weakest person in the room, but you have to engage that strongest person in the room and bring out that knowledge that they might have to make right. that weak mind or not the strongest mind. I hate to use the word weak, but the one who's not as confident, let's say, coming into the classroom, more confident Correct. hearing their peer at that Correct. level. That makes a difference. Tremendous difference. And empower those people within that class. Damn straight. Let them do teachbacks. Let them be engaged. I hate to say it, you're not learning anything during PowerPoint. You're going to learn very small percentage during a PowerPoint. You might be because generous. You know, because you know what's going to happen? We, we've all done it. We've all mm -hmm. stood up there and did PowerPoints. It's this. Yep. They're on their phone. Looking what's on Tinder, all 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 <laughs> they're looking at. Yeah, Bang Bros, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. all the same. It's all the same. It's, it's all the same. Yeah. And you have to keep your students engaged. You do. And you do. the I find it funny, and and we have this conversation, uh, me and people all over all the time. And the one question is, how can I become an instructor? I go, well, that's simple. Mm -hmm. 
start at your firehouse. I go, you need to give back information. Well, what if I don't have anything to give back? You have something to give back, I promise you. Oh, yeah. I don't care if you have a way to throw your bunker coat on quicker than anybody else. You know what? You're ignorant for not telling everybody else. You're hoarding that information for what reason? And, and that happens within the fire service so much. We're all scared to give out this information because we want to be, I, I don't even know what it is. You want to be Facebook famous, Instagram famous, whatever the case is. Oh, I found it first. Listen, if you have information, share it. Share it. Give it out to everybody. Okay. Can I just say it one more time? Ego. And, and listen, Duffy says it perfectly. Leave your ego out the door. Yeah. And, and you have to because there, there's no place for egos. Because the reality is one of the guys that rides on my truck, he teaches for NRC. Mm-hmm. The kid's a stud. And if I walked around with, with that, oh, I, I, I'm the lieutenant, I'm better than you. Negative. Oh, no. Negative. You know what it is? Hey, teach me something today. Empower me. Yeah. I'm going to empower you to become a lieutenant. You're going to empower me on stuff that you know. And th- this isn't the corporate world. We're not jockeying for position. There is no reason for that. Get that mindset out. Get it out of the picture. You don't need it. We're, we're not jockeying for positions here. I understand later on when we get into chiefs and all that stuff, there's, there's jockeying. I, I get that. But this isn't a promotional test. We're, we're, we're not studying. We're not doing all that stuff. Share the information. Give the information to each other. It's only going to make us as a whole better. But I'm going to throw this out there because, you know, Rob brought this up in our first uh, podcast together on Train to Live when you guys were gracious enough to host me and and what an experience that was with you and Greg and, and uh, Robert. And I remember Rob hitting on something that stood out to me. Contractual obligation. Okay, think about those words for a second. When we talked about promoting people. You know, and and in most contracts or anywhere four to six years, you promote to the next rank, right? Especially if it's going to be a company officer rank. And in that four to six years, you're taking all these classes and you're becoming a rock star and you're afraid because you've got someone next to you that has that same contractual capability to promote up. You don't want to give away that knowledge to them because you're afraid that maybe you're going to lose that leg up if they use that knowledge and they're stronger at it or they teach it better or they receive it better than you did. And maybe that is where we're losing grip with that whole, I can't share, I have to hoard information because I think in a way it is competitive, like you said, but I think it's because sometimes we put the wrong impression. I want to see people grow and I want to see people promote and I want to see people, you know, succeed in this career. But if you're going to do it at the cost of preventing others from growing alongside of you, then what kind of leader are you going to be when you do get that bugle pinned on your collar or those two bugles or three or four or even five down the road? What kind of leader are you going to be for those firefighters who might only know that method when it should be the fire service is a brotherhood for a reason. We learn, we share, we grow together. Some people are meant to be loose. 
Some aren't. Some people are meant to be drivers. Some aren't. Some people are meant to go to chief. Some aren't. You know where you're at. You know what you want. It doesn't negate the fact we have to share knowledge in order to make the service a better place. And, and, and I mean, you hit on it perfect. It's, we're, we're doing a disservice to ourselves by sitting here and continuously hoarding that information. If, if you go to a conference or, or you go into training or whatever, even a 40-hour class, it could be a FO1 class, FO2 class, whatever the case may be. And if you learn something there and you don't bring it back and at least share it at morning meeting or something and give that information back, you're not doing it for the right reasons. Give the information back because you know what? Now is your opportunity to make an impact. Yeah. And, and you're building a name for yourself. People are going to say, okay, you know what, Jason, every time he goes to a conference or whatever, he comes back and, and gives us information. He's doing this. He, he brought this back from an FO2 class. He brought this back from a, a trick that pump ops showed him. Give the information back. That, that, that's what we're all here for. Huh? It, it's, there, there's no reason to sit here and, and hoard the information so when the chief walks by, you, you're popping up and, and now you look like the smartest guy in the room. Well, no, you look like a fucking asshole. Give the information back to everybody. There, there's no reason to hold it. And I can't harp on that enough. I mean, we literally could sit here on a soapbox for an hour talking about that. but We could. But and, and, Go ahead. And it's seen everywhere across the United States. We, I'm fortunate enough to travel all over. And it's the same gripe in every fire department. But we do it to ourselves. And we do it to ourselves because, oh, I can't, I, I can't give them this information. I can't have that I person won't. looking better than me. Yes. But guess what? We all wear the exact same shirt. That's it. Last time I checked, we all went to standards, right? Correct. I mean, granted, depending, not every state's the same. But there's a level of training in most cases there that is equal to and or taught during the course of your career to make it equal across the board in yep. one form or fashion. But let's go back to why NRC has been so successful because of your philosophy on the importance of giving back. And it's the value of the information being given to these students imparted upon them from your cadre. And we're talking NRC has been around for a long time, a long time. And look at what it's done in just a matter of a few years, even. I mean, I'm looking at some of the most awesome partnerships that you've made with some great companies. I'm looking at Miko, Gonzo, who, you know, then Drager and Lion, Lion Gear, Hakes Boots, Genesis, Rescue Systems Unlimited, FLIR, and we talked about your relationship with Indian River State College where you've been teaching courses there, including the Advanced Rescue and Survival School. None of that came easy. And that came because you and your cadre put in the minutes, the hours, and the months and the years and that sweat equity, that blood equity into building a company like NRC into what it is today. And again, that was not an overnight success. And look at what you've been able, as you and a cadre together, you and Greg and your talented cadre and Rob and the other wonderful adjunct 
you know, adjunct instructors, the brothers of ours that teach for you. It's just amazing to see that. I, you can't be any prouder of that. And that's a testament to you and to your cadre's capabilities. No, definitely. It's uh, with Greg and I, when we started this back in, uh, it was literally the summer of uh, 2012. And I came with him with the idea. He said, say no more, I'm in. Let's do it. And uh, he told me one thing. He goes, I'm all in, but we're going to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be honest to who we are. We've stuck with that motto, and it works. Um, him and I probably talk more than me and my wife do. <laughs> uh, that could be good or bad. Uh, some days bad, some days good. Uh, it's uh it's a, it's a love hate relationship and, and mainly love. Um, but it's the yelling and the screaming, the fighting is all because of the passion that is instilled in NRC. And with that being said, I mean, with just with the cadre alone, I mean, uh, I, I know you mentioned Timmy, you mentioned Rob. Um, those are just two players of, of, of the cadre. I mean, we got, we got the J rods, the Chris Dudas. We got uh, the list keeps going on. We got Dave McCauley's, the Zach Berry's. And, and, and these are all guys who eat, live and sleep and breathe NRC. Yeah. And we got the Richard Shirks and the Ken Olsons and, and, and everybody plays a part within this organization. And the one thing that I truly love about the cadre is they treat NRC as if it's their own. They do not act as just, Hey, I'm an instructor. I'm here to collect a paycheck. They treat the company as if they own the company and they all believe in the same philosophies that were started when this company was founded, which is quality instruction. Yeah. Real experience. Yep. And being, being honest, we're not going to bullshit you. And that just works. Um, you mentioned uh, the partnerships and Miko uh, has been phenomenal. And uh, the vice president, Bobby Gonzalez, uh, he met Robert Ramirez. Rob introduced him to us and he loved what we were doing. So through a couple meetings here, a couple meetings there, him seeing the classes we're putting out and, and what we're doing and the quality of instruction that's being put out. He was like, I want to partner up with you guys. And in return, we partnered up with uh, Rescue Systems Unlimited, which is uh, our Genesis provider. Uh-huh. Uh, so we run Genesis uh, extrication equipment. Uh, Luther was phenomenal. How from uh, Rescue Systems Unlimited, phenomenal as well. Uh, we partnered up with Drager. Uh, Lion Gear has been phenomenal. Hakes and then uh, Fleer. So this uh, in Indian uh, Indian River State Fire College, um, all the USAR training and stuff like that goes through us. So this isn't uh, a freak accident. This didn't happen overnight. Um, this was through 
the passion of the job, the hard work that was put into it. And I, I, I say it all the time and uh, I'll say it again. It's, there is no express elevator in this game. No, you can't just start a social media page and think you're going to jump to the top. You can't attach yourself to just people that have a following and think you're going to jump to the top. It doesn't happen. Oh, some, some do briefly. Oh, they do. And, 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 and listen, you'll, you'll pop to the top, but guess what happens when you get to the top, you better be ready to perform. And if you can't perform, guess what happens? Now you're exposed. Yeah. And once you're exposed, you're done. Your credibility is out the window. Yep. And if you lose your credibility in this service, you've lost everything you have. Yep. Yep. You've lost everything. There is no coming back to it. You can't go make another Facebook page and pretend to be someone you're not. You're exposed. 100%. People see those people, the people see those people, and guess what? You're done. So I'm not saying that we're the best company out there. Listen, anyone that says we're the best, you know what? You're too confident. Because you know what? There, there's a younger company up trying to come underneath us. And they're, they're just as hungry. And with that being said, that makes us and, and all the cadre of instructors push that much harder to keep getting better, to keep elevating our game. Um, if, if any of your listeners have never taken class with NRC, I promise you, you're not going to leave disappointed. It's all real world and real life experiences. And, and the instructors will set everything else apart. I promise you. It's funny. You talked earlier about the level of appreciation that your instructors have. And, and, and I'm going to showcase one of them in particular, because I had the pleasure of teaching him uh, PIO earlier in the year when I was down there in the city of West Palm with you and um, uh, Ken Olson. And, yep. and, uh, you talk about the fact that he's one of your cadre, like all of the rest that treat it like it was his own company. And you know, what's funny. I saw that same appreciation for the uniform and the patch that he had on that uniform during my five weeks in West Palm. And it explains so much to the character and the credibility of a young man like that. And, and his position as Lou and what he does in the world of extrication. And, and the, the love and, and care he puts into and the passion he puts into teaching people VMR. And I listened to some of the stories uh, when he was up here because he comes up this way quite often, you know, to see Richard. Yeah, I guess they're hunting buddies. Yep. And um, just listening to teaching up here and then responding to an accident all in the same week and then working that wreck as not not one of the members of the department just happened to be there with Richard and they worked it and guess what happens you know they're, they're he's teaching them you know and showing them and helping them through the process and you know it's a great thing and, and I wonder if people understood that if you can put that much passion in the teaching outside of your department why can't you introduce that passion into your department and maybe let it trickle down onto those who want to learn how to be a good instructor one day as well. That's a, that's a hard question to answer per se, because 
there's a couple of different variables in there. And I, I would like to think that everyone in every fire department, there's toxics, uh, toxic individuals. Yeah. In every fire and a lot of times it's easier to be toxic than it is to be positive. And a lot of times, depending on what, what, what department you're at, I mean, it's easier to fall into that toxic rut than it is to be that, that outspoken positive guy. And depending on what climate your fire department's in, anything like that. So some, sometimes it's, it's harder and, and depending if they have rank or if they don't have rank. So I understand sometimes the frustration, but if you keep doing something, eventually they're going to show up. So something as simple as if you're out there throwing ladders every day, you might not have anyone show up for two weeks of you out there throwing ladders. Well, following week, there might be one guy that shows up. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, damn, I haven't done that in a while. Let me hop in with you. Yeah. That's the trickle-down effect. The problem is people get discouraged a lot, and they feel, and, and a lot of it has to do with our generation because we're here now generation. Very much. They, they want that instant gratitude, and it doesn't happen like that. It, this shit is not for everybody you're going to catch a lot of flack. Um, and if you have a guy who sits here and, and, and he's going to sit here and tell me that he trains every shift for five hours a day, I'm going to call bullshit. I'll throw the flag in an instant. You're going to have off days, 100%. But if you're out there and you're getting better at your craft and you're being a student of the craft, you're going to get people to follow you. I promise you. But it's so easy for people to fall into that negative than it is for the positive. Because I guarantee you, everyone that's listening right now, you could sit back, close your eyes, and think about how many negative people do we have in the firehouse? I guarantee you, it's going to be real quick to name them. Yeah. But when you sit there and close your eyes and say, hey, you know what? Who's the guy that's out there training every single day? I promise you that's going to be a lot less than the negatives. Just be the guy who's out there and, and listen, Rome wasn't built in a day. No. Continue to push forward. Be better every day. Learn something new every day. And that's all you can do. You know, it pains me. You talk about haters and, um, you know, those of our brothers who listen to this show, as well as uh, the Train to Live podcast on a very consecutive basis, all understand where this is coming from. Um, you're out there hustling and doing it. And, you know, you catch flack from maybe not in just your crews, but you catch it from the people above you that you thought supported you. And there's not naming a particular department. There's not a reflection of anything of, you know, my experience in general, but just hearing stories, right. About our brothers out there that are actually making an impact. And 
it pains me when I hear stories about how the people they trusted above them that they thought were mentors, thought that supported them, were the first to basically discredit them for trying something different and for stepping up and actually trying to make a difference. And that, that can be a very discouraging factor for people who witness something like that and say, well, if I stand out and try to do something more, what happens when it comes back and bites me in the ass like it did for that person? And I think what people need to remember is, like you said, there's always going to be someone out there who doesn't necessarily like what you do. For whatever reason, it's not for mine to be concerned with. Okay. Your opinions of each other don't mean anything really in a sense, because number one, I am who I am. You are who you are. I will do what I think is best, safe, effective, and proper. And that means it doesn't rub everybody the right way sometimes. Passion rubs people the wrong way sometimes, but that should never discourage someone from following their dreams and pushing forward with that passion. They just need to understand it's going to happen and just deal with it as it comes and push past it and find those people that are hungry like you. And you will have that following. Like you said, that trickle down effect will happen. Oh, it, it, it's, it's just human nature. And don't get discouraged. You might be out there for a couple of weeks and not see a sign of anyone. But maybe it's that driver engineer. You know what? He's feeling froggy that day. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just doing this. Hey, can I join? Yeah, come on. It's, it's that instant gratification that everyone wants, but it's not always going to happen. And as long as you're okay with that and you accept that, you're not, you're not going to set yourself up for failure. You're going into it knowing, hey, this isn't going to be an easy road. And, and once you understand that, your life's going to be easier because you know what? Now you're focused on you. You're focused on being a student of the craft and you're making yourself better. And that's all you can do. And, and to add to that, and this is where we can perfectly segue into the concept of praise. It's not that we do it for praise. But every now and then as a leader, when you see your, your crews out there hustling and doing it, you got to remember to tell them the good work they're doing. Remind them and, and praise them. Reinforce it. Support it. Give them the guidance and that foundation to build off of that guidance, okay? That, that meaning behind your words of strong work, good job, keep it up, I'm proud of you. That evaluative feedback that doesn't just come every year on a piece of paper. That's something I feel that officers, senior firefighters, whatever the case may be, instructors even, need to give back to the student or to the crew. And we don't do enough of that sometimes. We often forget to praise those who do good work. Because you know, in the end of the day, it's not me who does the good job necessarily. You know who does the good job? It's not my win at the fire. Okay. It's not me alone who put that fire out. You know who put that fire out? My fucking crew did. My guys did. Hey, strong work, Lou. No, my crew did that. Not me. I was there with them. They did that work. We need to remember 
to honor, respect, and praise those moments when they do happen. Well, it's, uh, and to just elaborate a little bit on that as well, you need to praise, praise often, and praise in public. Yep. This isn't a, let me tell you when we're alone. No. Praise in public. Let people let, let let your peers see you praise and let it be known that hey, Lou or Cap said, Hey, I did a good job. Because you know what? I don't care how tough you think you are, it's nice to hear, hey, good job. Sometimes that's all people need. Yeah. Um, I do a little thing with my crew every single shift. It's something small, but it to me, it, it just shows them I appreciate them. We go and we get coffee every morning. It's on blue. LT takes care of the coffee every morning. I love it. And that gives me time to ask them about their everything good, family good, girlfriend good, boyfriend good, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And for that small period of time before we get slammed with calls, it lets us talk and, and it lets them know that, hey, whatever, it's a $3 cup of coffee. If you're, if you're one of the yuppity hippies, it's, it might be $5 a cup. Who knows? Uh, if you go to those, one of those man bun coffee shops, yeah. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm bald, so, so I, 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 you, I don't You and me. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a small token of appreciation that they know, hey, LT takes care of us. We take care of him. But in the same token that we talk about praise, you also, if they're out there training, you best get your damn ass out there and train with them. Oh, damn straight. Because they need to see that what you require of them, you're able to do with them. And I feel like that is something that is lost. And I feel like, not enough people that are in charge do that. They're going to tell you how good they are, but they are not out there with their guys putting in that blood, sweat, and tears with them. They're not putting in that sweat equity. They're just saying, hey, you know, I'm Lou, I'm Cap, I'm this and that. I don't, I don't need to train. You, you keep training. I've already done that. Negative. Get your ass out there and train with them. Why? Because it helps build that trust with your crew. That integrity, that crew cohesion, that important component of success, because it's not one person that leads to success. It is the crew that makes the the success occur at the end of the at the end of the call, at the end of the shift. And far too often we we think that um, praise is an evil thing in some cases. You know, if we praise, well, that means they they're obviously not doing anything wrong. So we got to look for the wrong things. And we always look for the wrong things instead of looking for the right things. And, you know, it's amazing. We, you know, I was having a conversation which a with a dear friend of both of ours, a brother, who was having a rough spot, you know, recently. It's amazing how you talked about earlier how just a cup of coffee and a conversation can make a difference. You know, sometimes, and that goes in line with praising, at least you're acknowledging your crew, you're talking to them, you're opening up with them. And sometimes listening to your brothers, listening to your crews, and letting them just get it off their chests 
what's going on that might be adversely affecting them. And, and, and I know this is sometimes the sappy side of things, but you know what? That's part of the job too, because you got to understand your family that you're with every third day for the significant part of your life. They're your family. And our brother was going through a rough time. And you know what? Once, once he was able to get what he got off his chest and, and the frustration he felt, he was reminded about the good work he's done in this service so far to this point in his career in the short time I've had the pleasure of calling him my brother and friend and how proud I am of him for the work that he does and what he contributes to this profession because it's making things better for not just me, but for many others, you included, young and old, seasoned and green. And that is something that I'm just proud to reflect on because it was that simple moment, that opportunity to have with him where he was like, man, I love you. And I, I, I'm just so appreciative of that. And that's not a horn tooting moment. It's just an honest to God reflection of where praise, listening and supporting your friends, your family, your coworkers can make the biggest difference and impact on them in the long run. No, I agree. It's uh, we, we get to a point where, <clears throat> I feel like the the firehouse stigma is, hey, we're gonna bust each other's balls no matter what. Oh, and we will. Don't get me wrong. And and one hundred percent, we're going to. But at the same token, the the thick skin that used to come into the fire service isn't coming in no more. No. It it, it it's fucking tracing paper now, like. I mean, you say something wrong, they're they're getting upset. It's you got to know how to, like you said earlier, read your audience. Oh, definitely. And I can tell you right now that you're going to have to run into guys that, you know what? There's going to be certain individuals that need that praise a lot more than other people. And there's going to be people that don't do well with praise. And I can honestly say right now, I'm that guy. Me too. I do not do well with praise. Nope. Um, I'm very outspoken. Um, I'll talk to anybody in the world. But the moment you praise me, I shut down. Like, I don't handle it. I, I, I don't. I, I almost get embarrassed, to be quite honest. You took the words out of my fucking mouth. It, it, it's almost embarrassing. Because it's like, yeah. okay, are you, to me, it's like, wait a minute, are you setting me up for failure now, in a sense? Correct. Because you're, you're telling me this is the best I have to give you, but what if I have more to give that's better? Okay, so now, yeah, I did a great job, that's fine, but I did my job. And it wasn't just me who did my job, it was the combination of events and, and crew and members and effort leading to it. It wasn't just one person. It's not just my praise, it's everybody's praise. Please, I... I uh, Man, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's it's uncomfortable. It's it's almost embarrassing sometimes when you get praise as maybe in our role as a leader or as an educator and in, in, in the position we're in, I think. And and once we and and I'm not talking about instructors right now, I'm talking about uh on the line. If you get praise, give that back to your crew. Absolutely. And once you give that back to your crew. That shows them that, hey, Lou, Cap, whatever it is, he's for us. And once they realize that you're for them, 
their buy-in to you is going to go through the roof. And a crew can make or break you as an officer. Very 100%. Very much. The, the officer doesn't really run the show, contrary to popular belief. And, and, and I know we could debate this with many other people. Well, the officer runs the show negative. Mm. Because those two guys that are riding with me in the truck, they run the show. I'm just a guy who, at that day, passed the test, got promoted, and I talk on the radio. Yeah, that's true. They are the guys, they're the guys who, if they want, can drag their feet on a call. <laughs> they, they, they might not force that door as well. They might, not, they might not handle this call, X, Y, and Z call the way it should be or to our expectations. Uh So what does that do? Now, guess what? That praise is no longer praise, but guess who's getting their dick slapped in the dirt? It's me. Yep. And guess what? Now shit rolls downhill. Now I got to go handle it with my crew. But guess what? Once I handle it with my crew, now it's going to be like, hey, you know what? Since we're having this conversation, Uh you're LT or cap, whatever. You're not doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So it's a two-way street. It is. And people don't realize that. Like, just because you get a bugle does not mean that you're running the show. Oh, no. Hell no. The remainder of your crew runs that show. Yep. Whether you like it or not, you're going to give them guidance. And if they buy into what you're selling them, and they they trust you, and they and they're and they're all in with you. Well, then it's going to go great, and everything's going to go well. But if you're an asshole, and you're one of those guys that just sits in the office and doesn't do shit, and, and isn't out there, and you're not engaged with them, you're not invested in your crew. Well, guess what? They can make you look really bad. And now that praise that you weren't giving them and all that stuff. It's, it's going to happen to you, but it's not going to be good praise no. because now your boss is going to be on your ass and it's full circle. I promise you. And I don't think enough officers realize that. Or maybe they weren't trained to think like that because it's officer development. It doesn't mean it's a one-week, two-week, three-week process. Officer development starts the moment you decide you want to become a leader to the point that you retire, basically, because as you advance through your stages of leadership, you're developing as an officer, whether it's a company officer, command officer, or administrative officer. Officer development doesn't just begin and end with the rank. It continues every day you wear that rank. No. It's... uh... So I had this conversation a lot with people. So officer development, you can sit there and Google firefighter officer development, and you're going to get a bunch of different websites. You're going to get a bunch of uh, different YouTube channels. Sure. But my question to people is what is officer development? Do you ask yourself that? You want me to answer that from my perspective? Okay. 
Number one, you've got to understand when you walk in the door, you're mediocre at best. Okay. So then you have to work to figure out how to become better than mediocre because you achieved the status of the rank, but that doesn't mean you earned more than the title. So you've got to prove yourself in that role. How do you do that? Well, you go out and you educate yourself in the best practices. I know some people hate to hear me harp on college, but college is a great place to learn things. The School of Hard Knocks is a great place to learn things. Every call you run is an opportunity to learn things. How you interact with people, okay? Learning from your mistakes. Oh, did I mention failing? Because in order to develop yourself professionally and personally, you have to fail. And in order to become better at what you do, you have to fail a lot sometimes. So if you put all that together, you develop yourself both personally and professionally. Your character evolves in some cases. Your abilities evolve. And you know what? That respect meter goes up and that passion continues to grow within you. But that's just me. That's just my thought when it comes to officer development. So, so here's the best part about officer development. We could get all the guys that have came on your podcast. Yep. Asking the same question. Yep. There might be one or two of the same answer, but they're all going to have different answers within the same, uh, same answers. Okay. And nobody has a definitive answer for officer development. That's true. But here's a, here, here's a caveat to that. There are some departments, my department being one of them, we have zero officer development. So you get promoted. Guess what happens? Here you go. It's yours. It's yours. Yep. That's a disservice. Because guess what? No matter you like them, hate them, love them, whatever, you need to learn from the guys before you. Oh, your predecessors matter. And there, there needs to be some point, and, and this is just my, my opinion. I'm nobody. But there, there needs to be some form of officer development within every fire department. Amen. Listen, going to take in, and I'm going to talk on Florida because that's where you and I are from. Mm-hmm. You go take Florida Fire Officer 1, you sit for a test, okay, I'm Florida Fire Officer 1. That doesn't mean a hell of fucking beans. You know what that means? I, I sat through some 40-hour classes. That's what that means. Yeah. But realistically, I'm not using those classes on my day-to-day operations as a fire officer. You know what I, you know what I need to learn? I need to learn if there's an injury, how do we handle that as a company officer? Very much. How do we handle conflicts within the firehouse as a company officer? How about we how about we implement a company officer like boot camp or something along those lines? And some departments Instead do of, that. Some a lot of departments do. Yep. Instead of, hey, you know what? You took a written test, you did a practical, and you scored number one. Guess what? Hey, congratulations, you're in charge now. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. That shit doesn't work. That that that's antiquated and the problem is in the fire service, we hate change. But we want it. We want change, but we hate change. We demand and, it. 
<laughs> we, we, we demand the change, but once you implement the change, what the fuck are you doing? We don't want the change. It's like, wait a minute, you, you're taking 10 steps back from the 15, the 15 foot steps forward, you know, 15 <laughs> yes. steps forward that we just took over five years. It's like, okay, so I'm really confused now. You wanted this, but you don't want it now. So which one is it, you know? Yeah, so it's, uh, I go back to, to Greg Rogers. Um, hate or love the guy. He's a fucking phenomenal fire officer. And uh, like I said, when, when I was getting promoted, he was the guy that I went to for all my coaching. Like, hey, what I do during this, what I do during that. And uh, I feel, and just traveling around, I feel that departments lack that officer development. We're quick to do 14 weeks for a new recruit. Yeah. They come on board and then you get promoted and guess what? You got nothing. You got, you got no training for that. We should be doing better. So what do you do? You do a task book. We all know how those task books work. All right. Hey, uh, you, you know where this is at? Cool. All right. So, we, we, we have to do better at that. Um, and as a whole, like, and, and you mentioned it perfectly, you, the, the whole, well, we want change, but we don't want change. <laughs> yeah. we, we, listen, we want the change and we're going to pound our hands on the desk. Hey, we want change. But the moment change comes, Whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't say we wanted that much change. <laughs> yeah. That's so that's fair. And and that's us as a fire service across the across the nation. And it, it it's disheartening because so and and you and I talked about this before uh we came on air. It's kind of crazy. We're we're starting to become those older senior guys within the fire department. And when you think about it, the way I came up in the fire service, I mean, I'm not even going to say the words right now because I'll probably catch a me too charge or get canceled or something <laughs> like, like those old timers used to say crazy things. Oh, beyond crazy. You say that now you're fired. Yeah. Like instantly. Um, but those old timers gave you tough love but made you better. And, and I almost feel like we, we can't do that anymore because there's a paper for this. There, there's a module for that. You got target solutions for this and there's no true development. It's all just a computer checkbox to make people better, which doesn't work. So let me throw this in there because I, I talked about this in the podcast with Basil. Um, you, you mentioned our predecessors as I'm going to mention as well. And, and, and the way we came up in the fire service and some of the names that we've shared in, in discussion outside of this podcast, um, were, you know, formidable components of my upbringing, especially in the field. And I think about the lessons they taught me, but then I also mentioned in, in the other podcast was how important it is to take what 
your current experience level is and your current abilities are as far as being the senior person, regardless of your rank or role, right? And if you're going to be that mentor or that person giving back, you can take components of your predecessor's teachings and add your experiences into it and make it where it's beneficial. And there might be tough love in it, but at the same time, you're maintaining integrity. And that's something I think is important to consider as well. I, I, I agree with that. And it's, it's definitely important to understand where we came from. And uh, you brought up a good point. You brought up the senior man. Yeah. And I'll tell you just a little personal story. Um, so when I got promoted, they, uh, so this fireman's older than I am. Like, Hey, you're going to this shift. This is a crew you're going to, you're going to special ops, yada, yada. And I was like, damn, really don't want to go with this guy. Mm. So the guy's name is Steve. He's a, he's a senior fireman. So OCD to the core, very anal about cleaning, very anal about training, very just, he is like the old man who just, and he's not even that old. I say old, but he's 45. Uh, I know he's going to listen. So I think he's 45. I apologize. Great. He's, he's a year older than me and you're calling him the old man. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. But, but within the firehouse, he's the older man. Sure. That's so, true. So, he, so, so he's a senior man of the house. Yeah. And it, it made sense to me one day when I was sitting there and all the guys were like, damn, Steve's working his Kelly day, which was Sunday. So Sunday for us is when you clean, clean the kitchen and everything. Well, you better have that shit clean because <laughs> Steve does not play. Like, he'll, he'll, hey, take that shit back out, clean everything back up. Yeah. And so some of the younger guys were like, oh, damn. So then they're like, well, we're not even going to be able to catch a break and sleep in a little bit and sleeping in would be like until six. Well, they know Steve's there. Hey, your ass is up at 530. And you're cleaning. Like, like we got shit to do before, before we – before we get relieved yeah and seeing that and seeing the impact that not necessarily like hey let's go out we're throwing ladders at 12 o'clock at night but the impact that the respect factor for that senior man has across the board even me as a lieutenant i'm like oh shit like hey you know what my ass better be up at five thirty, man. I ain't, I'm, I'm not playing around with the senior man. Like, I'm not. I'm not trying to get him mad. Nope. It's uh, and and we chuckle and laugh about it, but it, it's it's true because the senior man can make or break a house. Um, they're like the cornerstone of a house when you think and, about it. But so, when you think about the now generation of the fire service. I feel like that senior man role has almost been forgot about. It's not as important in a lot of departments, but what people don't realize is that senior man, he is that backbone on that shift. And a lot of times that senior man handles all the issues before it even gets to the company officer. Yeah. For good reason and too. 
100%. And that's just one of those things where I feel like the fire service as a whole is losing what, how important that senior man role really is. And I couldn't agree with you more because they're the dinosaurs of the fire service. And again, I, I fall back on this concept. We look at what happened between 2008, 2012, 13. And I think, you know, where I'm going with this, you know, the exodus of the fire service. How many friends did you have that left to go work in other professions or went to go work for other departments that paid better or maybe left and came back in four years or five years when, you know, they realized I had it that good in the fire service. I should never have left. And yet those who didn't come back, what did we lose? We lost that senior man in the process of the exodus. And now we're rebuilding it. And there's only a dinosaur few, a handful of, of senior men, senior firefighters in general, in the fire service that can carry that credibility. And that credibility matters in the firehouse because, like you said, it is that senior man that makes or breaks the house overall. Who are they going to look to, look to before anyone else in most cases, especially in our generation? They're going to look to that person that's been around the longest. And again, it's not the rank. That senior man carries more credibility in most cases than even the officers in that house, and for damn good reason. Well, it's sad. So, so we, we touched on praise earlier. And to get praise from the senior man, that's like getting praise from freaking the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I mean, that, that, that's, I mean, that's better than any company officer. Amen. If that senior man gives you the praise, I'm going to tell you right now, when, when uh, the senior man at the firehouse gives me praise, oh. Got chills. Man, you know what? Today was a good day. Yeah. And that's what I, I feel the generation that's coming up in the fire service, us as being that middle tier company officers, middle tier firemen, we have to make sure that they do not forget how important it is for that senior man role. And if not, we're going to lose that. Yeah. And it, it's, it's because we're having a, a mass exodus of people. We're getting influx of new guys that are all getting hired. There's going to be somebody in a station that is the senior man. And guess what? He might not, might not be a good test taker. He might not be whatever the case may be. You never want to promote. Who knows? Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes that senior man role holds more fucking rank than any fucking bugle you can put on your chest. And to add to that, if the crew sees the officer treating the senior man less than, that's recognized as well, especially in houses or departments that appreciate and understand that role of senior man because of the weight and the value that title carries within that house, but within that fire service. But I feel that it's almost becoming a lost tradition, per se, within the nation. Okay. Because, because we're getting s such an influx of younger generation. 
Yeah. We're getting a mass exodus of old timers. A different kind of exodus now, though, because it is retirement time for a lot of people. And that senior role isn't really there. So it's like, don't lose sight of that. That senior man is critical. 100%. And if we don't maybe make that change now, or if we haven't instilled or impressed upon the audience the importance of recognizing who that senior person is in your house or your department, I don't know what else we can do. Because quite honestly, I think we have made it clear that it's not the officer that makes or breaks the crew in most cases. It is the senior man, the senior firefighter that can make or break the crew. 100%. I love that. That is spot on accurate. No, it's just, uh, there, I, I know we're winding down on time and stuff. No, like that. it's good. It's, uh, I just feel for myself and, and just seeing, like I said, I'm, I'm very fortunate enough to travel all over and, it's literally the same circus, different clowns. I can take you to any firehouse across the United States, walk into a station, and you're going to be able to pinpoint everybody that would be at your station at yeah. that station, yeah. 100%. Well, let's wind down on a different note. The Train to Live podcast and, and how proud I am of you and Greg and Rob for the work you've done and the solid group of guests myself, I'm not going to throw myself in there as solid, but the honor of being able to, to get on that show and the invite you've given me on multiple occasions to join such a, a gifted, talented group of instructors that I consider beyond my league, in some cases, of capabilities. And what it's done impact-wise in, in the community of the fire service, I mean, the Train to the Podcast is, has gone quite a ways since its inception and its early days. And I got to be honest with you, it, it is um, one of my favorite things to watch you guys live and to see the three of you interacting with guys like uh, Brian Bush and just so many different other talented firefighters who have made an impact in this profession. Sean, Pablo, keep going down the list. That is something that I think you guys are definitely growing as far as a platform. So what's next for it? What are you guys planning on doing with Train to Live here coming up? Um, so... Oh, Brian Brush, I'm sorry. And I, you know what? I had Bush on the brain. Maybe it's because I needed a Bush beer, but Brian Brush, thank you. I'm sorry, Brian, if you hear this, you're more than welcome to give me 30 lashings. I will take it with a smile on my face. Um... So we got a bunch of uh, big name guests coming up. Um, the, the biggest thing for us was myself, Greg and Rob, we didn't want to make it a every week at Thursday at 7 PM. We're going to go live mm -hmm. to be quite honest with you. There's no one that wants to hear the three of us talk every week at 7 p.m i promise you <laughs> no nor me either trust me i get it i do so it literally just turned into the three of us and we do it when it's convenient for us mm -hmm. um 
And to be quite honest with you, between the three of us, our schedules, between the fire department, teaching, and family, it's damn near impossible to get us all at the same time. Yeah. Um, so what we're shooting for now is one guest per month and just quality content. Um, we had you on, we had, uh, we had our brothers, uh, from Boston on, we had Sean and Pablo on, mm. uh, we, <laughs> we had a damn conglomerate full of, uh, from guys from a conference that we met, uh, like Justin phrase, chief Jacob Johnson. Oh, I love Justin and Jacob, Jacob, my boy, our boy, do yeah, your damn man. job. Jacob Johnson. He's coming on next week. Oh, that, that'll be good, man. That's uh that Jacob Johnson, chief Jacob Johnson. He is the real deal. Uh, when they say brotherhood, uh, you open up a dictionary, you look at brotherhood, his fucking picture is in there. He is the brother of all brothers. Um, Amen. Love that guy to death. Um, <laughs> we're we're going to church as we've uh, called it together. We're we're going to start. We're, the reverends are coming next week, and we're going to church on mentoring because that is something we are both passionate about. Hey, and you know what? Uh, I'll be tuned in and and ready to listen because uh, both you guys give a phenomenal fucking product, man. Oh, gives me the it's, chills. Uh, it's uh. The Train to Live podcast was literally just, it started with Greg, myself, and uh, Rob drinking beer, talking shit, and uh, wanted to bring our friends on board. Oh, and yeah. uh, so we decided to do it a little different than everybody else. Uh, we decided to do it live and do it live so you could ask questions. Yep. So there was definitely some hiccups on that during. The, the the inception of it in the inaugural episodes the early episodes right yeah, yeah. yep uh, i was working off of a uh, single laptop and uh i quickly realized that you had to have dual screens uh you had to have a lot more beer next to you <laughs> or whiskey <laughs> yes uh so so brother greg likes his whiskey rob i don't even know what he likes he likes white claws or something who knows uh that's that's yeah. rob though that's south florida i'm just gonna put that out there i grew up down there i get it i understand so we we quickly were brought to reality that we knew shit about podcasting so uh i reached out to you and uh you you gave us a lot of good insight still learning as you schooled me earlier today and uh (laughs) I didn't school you. So. <laughs> Man, you. Wow. No, it's like, no, guys, I didn't like attack Herbie and say you sound terrible at all. I promise you that, that that did not come out of my mouth. Never would those words come out of my mouth. Not so, at all. So so now we're just uh, we're, we're we're aiming at getting at least one guest a month, uh, at least getting one podcast out a month because the feedback for the podcast has been awesome. Hell yeah, it has. Um, so that's it, man. We're, we're just having fun. We're, we're enjoying what we're doing, loving what we're doing. And, and that's it. And that's all that matters at the end of the day is loving what you're doing. And we're going to go ahead and close it out on that. Train to live podcast, national rescue consultants. You've got Herb Tyler, Greg Rogers, Rob Ramirez, 
and the guests they've had on. And brother, thank you for those compliments earlier. I, I don't deserve them. You put that product together with those boys and made it what it is today. And I'm just happy that I could have been part of that effort to help you because that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we do in this profession. We help each other out. We build each other up. And I thank you for your friendship and I thank you for your brotherhood. And you know, I love you to death and you know how much I love and appreciate you in general. You know that 100%. And with that being said, guys, and, and Brian Brush, forgive me. I owe you a huge apology. I said bush, not brush. And again, 30 lashings, I'll take it if you got to throw it at me. All right, brothers and sisters, it's been a great episode. Herb, I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's taken a year in the making to get you back on. And we've seen each other between then, but just getting us together has been impossible. But thank you for honoring me with your presence on this podcast tonight and giving us your your time and your effort and your energy and your love for this profession. Listen, man, I appreciate it. I appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, uh, honestly, for whoever's listening, the Jason McCammon, he's the real fucking deal. He's he's not selling you something that he's not doing. Uh, he believes in what he does. I believe in what he does. And you don't find people like that. So when you find people like that, you grab them, you hold them close, and you just learn. And you know what? It's an honor to call you a friend. And it's an honor to call you a brother. Love you to death. I, I'm just completely touched by that. Thank you. And I hope I always live up to the expectations that you put out there for me. So that being said, guys, nationalrescueconsultants.com. Go take a class with them. Have them up to your department. It doesn't matter where it is. They will come to you and offer you some of the best training out there in the market. USAR to advance rescue and survival man versus machine go check out train to live podcast again and as always keep your head on a swivel you are your brothers and sisters keeper look out for each other stay strong and we'll see you on the next one you just survived 30 minutes of online training with the can man radio show did you remember to train your probie today The Can Man knows he knows everything. When that 2 a.m. lift assist drops, the Can Man will be thinking of you in his dreams.